2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll begin reading at verse 6 and read the rest of the chapter. Remember, Paul is taking an offering, promoting an offering for poor, suffering Christians in the city of Jerusalem. They are Jewish Christians, and uh, many of them have lost their inheritance, have lost their job, have been uh, excluded from the uh, Jewish community. So they're in a hard way. They're heavily taxed, and so they lose their jobs, lose their inheritance, lose their family, all because they've put faith in Christ. Now, Paul, a devout Jew by background, is among Gentiles who are considered pigs, pagan, godless by the Jewish community, but who have now become believers in Christ, and he's among them saying, let's help our brothers back here in Jerusalem. Let's help our brothers. So, let's listen to his wrap-up argument to help them. He's advocating, let's receive a love offering to help them. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others which you, uh, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I want to speak on doing what God loves. Doing what God loves. And there's three points that will come out of this. God loves a cheerful giver. 
like he does not love a stingy person. You know, we get this love, it gets to be just ambiguous love. God loves everybody. Well, I have to say, he loves me more than everybody. I'm his child. I'm his child. He loves me like a father does a child, a son. You know, I can say I love all my neighbors, but if you've got children, if you've got family, family moves into an inner circle, and that's okay. God made us that way. And then you can say it includes this, and what he is saying here, God loves everybody, God loves his children, and God loves people especially who are generous, cheerful givers. There's no question about it. They're in a different category in his mind and in his heart. So the givers, the cheerful givers in this place are the special loved people in this congregation. And this church rides on the back of about 20% of our membership that underwrites this church, and it carries the church. We have a benevolent, kind church. It costs millions of dollars. I was never in a church before here that had a budget of over $100,000. I was in churches that didn't have a $50,000 budget. It costs us $250,000 to underwrite our children's program. Did you hear me? $250,000. We have been trying to do solar energy and different things. Our PG&E bill used to be $100,000 a year. That takes quite a few offerings. Uh, our sewer bill. Sewer, you cost us every time you use our toilet. <clears throat> we pay $12,000 a year just to use toilets. That's what they charge us, the tax. Can you imagine? Uh, ministry cost. Ministry cost. Now, this is an offering for the poor, which is a special class. We're in a sense, we underwrite. Uh, do you think the children underwrite the children's ministry? No, you do. What about our, our kids? We're talking about our kids going to camp again. Hey, our kids go to camp because you give. And many of you have already got your kids raised. You're already down the road. But you give an offering that enables kids to go to camp. You do it. This, all this ministry that goes on comes through people like you. Now, I'm going to look at three things. God loves a cheerful giver. Two, God gives special promises to cheerful givers. Special promises. Okay? And three, God gets praise and thanksgiving through cheerful givers. Very simple. God loves them. God makes a promise to them. And God tells us what cheerful givers do for him. They actually do something for him. Let's uh, start with verse 6. I thought we would just read a few of the verses and see if this is true. You reap what you sow. Uh, do you think that is used positively or negatively most of the time? How many say negatively? Yeah. How many say positively? Yeah, I think we normally think of it as Kids, you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. It's a negative thing. Well, it's true. Negative behavior reaps negative results. 
I mean, it's a, it was a rabbinic axiom. I mean, it's just a matter duh, of life. You're going to get back what you put out, right? Now, look at what he says about this principle. Go back to Proverbs. We'll start at chapter 3. I want you to look at these verses because you won't believe me. You'll think I'm trying to take an offering. And we could do that. Last week, you know what? I didn't take an offering. The first service for the Cohen's, second service, you gave $3,000 just like that. Thank you. And they, they greatly appreciated it. Uh, listen, 3, verse 9. Are you there? I want to hear you when I ask that question. You, say, you shout, I, I, we're there. Are you there? Thank you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruit of all your crops, and you will go bankrupt. <laughs> but, and, and then you'll be broke. What does your say? How many of you own barns? Okay, let's transfer. I don't, I'm not a farmer. Doesn't transfer. I will grow in assets. I will grow. It will not break me to be a giver. More of you are going broke on paying high interest than you are on giving. Don't blame God for credit cards. You got to stop that. Huh? And then, oh, I can't afford to give. No, but you can afford 18% interest because you bought something you shouldn't get in the first place. And, uh, oh, I can't afford to give. No, but you can't afford to charge what you can't afford to pay for. So what you need is a basic economics 101 course. You can't buy it if you don't have the money. Oh, yes, I can. I can get credit. Well, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> chapter 11. Chapter 11. And listen to what it says. Verse 24. One person gives freely. Now watch this. Yet what? Gain. That does not make sense. I give it, but I'm gaining more. No, no. Don't you think the world would say, if you give it, you're going to be broke, honey? And he's, and he's saying, I know. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. Isn't that amazing? The one giving it keeps prospering. The one who holds it, uh, they come to poverty. It, it, it just doesn't seem to make sense. It's just, of course, they're giving their money not to Macy's, but to God, to God's Word. Okay? Uh, let's keep looking. Uh, chapter 19. When God says something more than twice, he's not stuttering. He wants us to get it. Look at uh, 1917. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Can God pay back what he owes you? Would you ever want to lend God money? You better pay me. And he says, if you're good to the poor, it's like making a loan to the Lord. 
He says, don't worry. The poor man may never pay you back, but I will. You see, there's two kinds of people, those who need it and those who can give it. Which category do you want to be in? I neither need it or I can give it. You're in one of two of those categories. Um, I lost my verse. Which verse? 17? There's two convicting. And he will reward them for what they have done. Um, 28. No, let's go to 22. 22, 8 to 9. Whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they wield in fury will be broken. The generous will themselves be blessed. For they share their food with the poor. A generous man will be blessed, and he'll even uh, bless the poor. Just heard of a sister in our church said that uh, was trying to go through, was going through a rougher part of town, and saw all these homeless people, and saw them hanging out, and they look, and said the spirit of God wouldn't let them give pass until they went by and bought all kinds of food and then risk their life to go and distribute it among them because God said, how can you pass them by and not feed them? And some of us say, well, they just got there on their own. Well, you got in sin on your own. You think God found you well off? No, no. We don't need to ask how they got there. Well, they did drugs. I, I believe they did probably. What if they hadn't? See, in Israel, he said, I don't want any poor people. And then he said, but you'll have the poor always. So he said, simply share, do everything you can. He's, he had a seventh-year Sabbath that let all the slaves go free. And whatever assets they gain while being with you, let them take it with them. God had all kinds of fairness, kindness, rules for running the nation. Um, Galatians 6, 7 says, uh, if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap of the Spirit. If you sow towards the things of the flesh, you'll have those kinds of things. Uh, Luke 6, 38, give, and it shall be given to you. Give, and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. So you've got many promises to those who are givers. Now, he said, I love a cheerful giver and he gives a couple of descriptions. This is just the opposite. He said, I don't want you to give uh, if it uh, causes indigestion. Uh, and he says, give not reluctantly or under compulsion. And the word reluctantly was the word for grieve. I don't want you to do it if it grieves you. If it makes you sorrowful, uh, if you, um, you don't feel good about it, your, your heart wasn't in it. Your heart wasn't in it. We had an interesting sharing in our Bible studies last week, and a man was just sharing how, well, I, I was kind to them, but I'll be honest with you. I didn't really feel like it. I didn't really like them that much. I just was kind. It, it's good for business, a businessman. 
But I didn't really feel kind. I just did it. Okay. Said, God says, a cheerful giver is not a giver that it causes grief. Man, I, I wish I wouldn't have gave that. Ooh. And then it goes on. Uh, they're not one they gave under compulsion. And that's a strong word. Uh, that is that you had to be sold. You had to be sold to give. And it literally meant from Webster to necessitate, to force. Um, strong, irresistible. I mean, you, you think about arm twisting. Uh, I hate to buy cars as I've grown up because I don't want to go back there and talk to this manager. Then we must talk to another man. What does it cost? I don't want to be jerked around and lied to. I want to know. Tell me 5% above Blue Book or Factory. That's where Carolyn's father bought cars. He looked it up, figured it out. I know what it costs you to get this car here. I'll pay you $500 above what you paid. That's it. And don't send me anybody in the back room. And I'll pay cash. You know, I think, like in my family, July is a good month to really get out of here. We have so many birthdays. Virginia, my daughter, uh, one of my son-in-laws, uh, another grandson, uh, uh, myself, uh, on and on. We got so many birthdays in July. Uh, I just want to publish uh, Love Will Do. Love Will Do. Love covers all. Have you ever bought a gift for an occasion that you weren't into? I mean, Hallmark invented Mother's Day. What did we do before Hallmark? Did we love our mothers before Hallmark? A kiss on the cheek. That's well enough for 40 years investment. No charge, you know. Uh, if I did, I got an anniversary coming up. Think of this. I think of men... Some of them dread talking about anniversaries because they can't remember it. And, and all of a sudden, someone says, uh, when's your anniversary? I, I don't know. Two days later, whoo, man, you run and, and you try to find some used flowers that, that, that make some spray, make them look fresh. And, and uh, you, you're going through all this pressure and I want to get to, about the, got that over with. And, and uh, like, or you put all your heart into it. Man, roses have gone up. Well, go get a refund if you don't want to give it. You see, God cares about your attitude when you give in the offering more than what you gave. It's your attitude. And, and isn't it that way in gift giving of any kind? I mean, your kids have been, here, here. No. And then God said, I look down, and when I see people who said, I'm cheerful about it. The word is hilarious, and, but it really meant, it was translated this way, to be glad. It was actually translated daylight. It, it's a sunshiny up experience. Uh, it was used of songs, benevolence. 
in Proverbs, it was used of a cheerful countenance. Uh, that you just, you know, you're doing something you love to do, and it affects your countenance so that joy is painted across your face. That when we take the offering, is not the lamentation time. See? It's interesting in America. America giving now, when I grew up, they taught start at 10%. We called it tithing. Throw it out. Grace giving doesn't even talk about percentages. It just talks about Christ, a suffering church, never talks percentages. We were taught start at 10%. Guess what the national average in the evangelical church is? 1.9%. Because, you see, we're in a famine in America, aren't we? We're in a world war. We're rationing sugar. We're rationing flour. Why doesn't giving increase with prosperity? Because it's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of your income. And I've seen businessmen, I've seen it all the time, by the time they really start making money, they can't get percentage anymore. Because it's not in their heart. Can't make you a giver. You don't want to give. You want to be stingy. That's between you and the Lord. But you are not the kind of people he loves especially. He does not. God does not love stinginess in anyone, including you and me. And uh, I think of children. Isn't it wonderful when you see them share a toy instead of hitting one on the head? I mean, uh, we got quite a few toys in our grandchildren's room. And it's wonderful when the grandchildren there don't conk the other over the same. Why do they gravitate towards the same toy? It says something about human nature. Now, look at what he says. To you cheerful givers, I want to give you a promise. And here it goes. Are you ready? You ought to be taking notes. I know that's hard on your right hand, but uh, you need to learn to do it because you're going to forget this within 10 minutes after the sermon. He says, God is able Mm-mm. to bless you abundantly. Cheerful givers, God is able. He's got the power for you to keep giving it and him to keep replenishing you. That's what he's saying. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, you need dental work, you need health work, you need car repair, in all things that you need finances, whatever. So that in all things, And at all times, good times, bad times, up economy, down economy, at all times, he said in Jeremiah, that the godly man doesn't fear in the time of drought, for he has roots that go into the eternal springs. He doesn't fear famine, because he's got a source bigger than famine. He's got a source bigger than crops. His roots go into God. And here, 
I've got a God that says, at all times, in all things, having all that you need, I'll meet all of your needs while you're giving it away. We got one sister convinced. The rest of you are praying about it. Any cheerful givers in the place, this is your promise. This is a promise to you. Any stingy believers, you, you want to repent quick and get in on this promise. This isn't for you. If you don't give, if you're a non-giver, you are not promised this. He's saying this to cheerful givers. This is our promise. A stingy church is not under the promises of God. They've quenched them. Did you know you can quench omnipotence? You can actually quench the Spirit of God. I thought, the, I thought God was all-powerful. Guess what? He's so powerful, he can do every, he turn this place upside down. But he will not do it if we won't let him. Because you can quench him. You can shut down omnipotence. Having all you need, you will abound in every good work. When is this taking place? When you give to God cheerfully, here's his promise to you. How many of you think that's in the text? I, I, please, one. Man, you guys are just passive. Raise your hand. Is it in the text? I didn't make you this promise. Who did? But my God shall supply all your need according to his poverty in Jesus. No, no, no. I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I believe the Bible. He will prosper those who give. And if you're not a giver, you might have a curse on what you got. You can get a hole in your bucket, easy, and say, where's all of our money going? Said, well, stingy, it's going out. You got car repairs you never dreamed of. The worst machine went out. Sure enough, she needs a crown. You should have checked out her teeth before you married her. No, I mean, this woman's expensive. You're, you're discovering all kinds of expenses. All kinds of expenses. said, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every case. Not so you get a bigger house, a bigger car, more for you. No, you've been generous with poor people. I'm going to keep replenishing you that you may continue being good to people that don't have it. The moment it centers on you, I'm going to turn off the valve. I'm not in the business of making you Mr. Rich, Mr. Ego, Mr. I'm going to bless you if you are willing to be my conduit for my resources. And if you don't channel them, I'm going to turn off the spigot. But if you remain a cheerful giver, 
I'm going to keep giving you more seed to sow than you ever dreamed of. Your harvest is going to grow. You will be enriched in every way so that you could be generous on every occasion. You'll ever once in a while even buy someone lunch instead of waiting for them. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And the church said, amen. I want to claim the promise. Has anybody seen God keep this promise to you? I didn't see any stingy people raise their hand. You can't raise your hand because God didn't make that promise to you. You'll have to repent first. You'll have to get the right heart. It breaks my heart when I talk to different pastor friends. I had a different pastor. I had some black pastors that talked to me about they were all bivocational. And I said, why? He said, congregation won't give. They won't support us. And so they worked two jobs, plus they pastored low churches in Oakland and Berkeley and San Francisco. I said, wait, wait, why don't they? John Smith tells me about his father. I believe John's one of 10 or 12 children. Dad was a carpenter, worked, worked late, sweat late, put in 50-hour weeks, still pastored the church, never paid him a salary, never gave him a dime, and voted him out. Voted him out. Paid all the bills. Tommy Bradford, I said, how's economics down there? He said, I stay on a job as a longshoreman. My brother and I paid for the remodeling of the church. When the church burned down, my brother and I paid for it. And then I find out he owned property all over Richmond, and God blessed everything he seemed to touch. He said, I give to the Lord, and I don't care if they give me a dime. He blesses me anyhow. I'm a long ways from Arkansas. I'm a long way. A prosperous man because he loved to give, and whether this church gives me a dime or not, I'm going to build and work on the building until I see him. Now he's in heaven. Have you found anything you want to support? You know, one of the confusions, I think, to believers, there's so many things to support. I think as a church, I get so much mail on support, the, and, and I believe they're all good causes. But I would think that you as a layman would at least give your own church an offering. We take care of your children. We teach. We preach. We love. We rent a building so you have a place to meet. We try to keep you comfortable. Uh, is missions great? That's great. Which missionary do you support? There's only about 5,000 of them sending letters. Which one is the one God went for you? Rescue mission and the only rescue mission in town. They're all over the world. I mean, to have discernment where, but the big issue is, will you be generous on any, on, on, on any level? Will you be generous? Well, he made a promise. Now, let me tell you five things that cheerful givers do for God is why he loves it so much. Number one, it produces thanksgiving to God. Verse 11, you see this? Watch this. You will be enriched, and through us, your generosity will result in to who? Wouldn't God love that which produces thanksgiving to him? When you give cheerfully and other believers are helped, whatever, he said, 
It produces thanksgiving to me. Stinginess never does that. Withholding, setting on, begrudging, uh, paying all your money on some item. You know, we know stories of people. I must have an RV that I can use twice a year. Our brother Paul always wanted a boat. He wanted to buy another boat. I said, don't do it, Paul. Peggy needs the money. Don't do that. I said, you're getting so decrepit. I, I've seen you. I don't want you falling out of it. But he wanted it because he loved it. He knew when he couldn't have it, he, want, he didn't need a boat. But he wanted one. I hear some folks, I never hear them say, I'm craving a good used car. Huh? Have you ever heard of a used car? Is, what is it you need, transportation or the newest? I haven't heard anybody out there. I said, do you need transportation or the newest? Do you need housing or the best? See, because we're Americans that are being sold all the time. First thing, produces Thanksgiving. Two, the needs of people will be met. Verse 12. He said, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Needs are being supplied. God is being thanked. Third thing, it gives proof that you're true Christians. And uh, look at verse 13. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the faith of Christ and for your generosity. Here is something that's marvelous. Through this giving, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to get the picture. The people they're taking in for live in Jerusalem. They're Jews. They're Jews that accepted Christ. Now, I want you to know, Jews said, Gentiles, do not go to heaven. They taught that, the rabbis. They said Abraham stood at paradise, and if it was a Jew, you automatically went to paradise. If you were a Gentile, you were held out. Jews commonly called us dogs, Gentile dogs. That was the common nomenclature. Peter didn't even, he couldn't even enter the house to eat with some Gentiles unless God brought a sheet down from heaven and told him to do it. You remember that? Maybe you don't. If you read your Bible, you would. It's in Acts. I can't even go into a Gentile's house without being defiled. You talk about religious, racial hatred and distance. They had it. Now, Paul is saying, you Gentile pagans who've been fornicators ever since you were kids, who've been in idol worship, you're dirty, you're unclean, you're filthy, you're immoral, and the Jews can't stand you. Once you send them a love offering for a racially religious group you can't stand, We'll know you both have become brothers in Christ. You must really be Christians. 
to want to help us because we hate each other by nature. You talk about the racial hate, religious hate, cultural distance, and guess what? In that love offering, what would you feel like if you were a Jew in Jerusalem and all of a sudden Titus and the two other men that brought the offering said, we like for you to see what your Gentile brothers have done for you. They've sent enough money to clothe your kids, enough money to feed you, enough money that you don't need your dad and the job he gave you. We're going to make it, and they're going to stand with you because you have become our brothers in Jesus, and you can have our money. You see, God is a bridge builder, not a wall builder. He said, I'll remove the middle wall of partition. I'll make one people out of two. I know some Christians, they are great at building walls. They don't know how to build bridges. Everything is their way or no way. He said, by this gift, you will bridge a gap, and they will see that you are really our brothers. You must be saved to send us a love gift. Then he said in verse 14, they don't have money, but they will pray for you. It causes an increase of prayer. Their prayers for you will go out, and because of the surpassing grace God's given you, God's given you the grace to be gracious. God's given you enough grace to be generous. Isn't it terrible advertisement on the gospel to be stingy? Here we got a God, a generous, give, give. He's given to a majority of the world that will never accept the gift, and he gives, and he gives. I, I looked up, uh, read the story on Annie Johnson Flint, who uh, was in a sanitarium for 40 years with crippling uh, uh, arthritis. Her mother died when she was only two. Uh, she was adopted by the Flint family. She and her sister had a life of suffering and didn't know how to pay the sanitarium bill. And someone said, you ought to write. And she said, no, I just write because I love to write. From a girl, she could put poetry together. But from that sanitarium bed, Annie wrote these words. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiply trials his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. We needed a crippled woman to write and tell us he giveth more grace. He increases our strength. Let me say this. Don't just tell me you've got grace theology. Tell me you've got a gracious heart.
that you're a cheerful giver. Oh, he told us not to become weary of giving. You're saying, the church always needs. Well, I close with this. A family at Moody Bible Church uh, lost a son. Alan Redpath went to see them. And they said to Alan Redpath, said, you know, we just lost a son. They said when he was alive, he cost us college tuition, cost us car insurance, cost us money for him. Said, you know what, now that he's died, he doesn't cost us a dime. But we would do anything if he cost us again. And if you don't want this church to survive, quit giving. Quit serving. Start murmuring. Start complaining. You'll kill it because God won't make you do it. But you might just actually fall in love with God's church. You actually might fall in love that Jesus is building his church all over the earth. Bamboo churches, churches, buildings like this. Can he count on you to keep his work going if it counts on serving and giving? Who will he go into the 21st century with, the stingy or the cheerful? It's up to us. If you're not giving, if you don't like giving, you've got a heart problem. You've got a hardening of the categories, not the arteries. You've hardened it. I pray God give you a soft heart, a tender heart. I had a sister come up to me today. She's got a son giving her bad time, complaining. You didn't buy me this. You didn't buy me a Nintendo set. And she came. You couldn't have dental work when she grew up. You couldn't have this. You couldn't get shoes necessarily. And she said, do you know what that made me feel like as a woman on the edge of poverty when I grew up. Now I've got a kid mad at me because I didn't buy him a toy. And I think we don't want to be that generational. We don't want to think that way in the church. Valley owes me. Valley owes me a good building. You know what? Hey, saw the janitors here last night. They only charge us $1,200 so you'll have a clean toilet on Sunday. Somebody pays for that. Because you'd complain if it wasn't clean. Anybody? Oh, yeah, you would. I'm with the best. My kids, I'm going to tell you that nursery better hum if I bring my darling baby. <laughs> it better shine. Who pays for it? I said, who pays for it? We do. What if we don't want to pay for it? You'll find another church that you could freeload in. When will your finances become his? You know what I can never say again? I was praying one day. I said, Lord, I thank you for my, I thank you for my. And finally the Lord just said, I'm tired of you saying my. Nothing you call my is yours. My wife is my child. My house is the house I gave you. My income is the income I gave you. My breath is the breath I gave you. Quit saying my. You own nothing. Everything you've got that's good 
came from me. So quit calling it my. It's my. Oh, yuck. What's mine is my sins, my attitude, my all of that. But every good thing I've got in life, have ever been given, it came right out of the generous hand of God. Amen. <laughs>